When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Howard David Live. We get it going on a Tuesday. Welcome in Andy Vasquez from the Newark Star-Ledger who covers the Jets. I don't know if um, if you were as stunned as it seems like most America is that the two New York football teams uh, are having the kind of seasons they are. Uh, I'm a little bit more surprised at the Giants, to be honest with you, Andy, because when I saw what Joe Douglas accomplished in terms of the draft and free agency, I thought the Jets were going to be markedly better, so I'm not shocked at where they are right now. Are you? I wouldn't say shocked, but I think for it to happen so quickly, and and when you look at the way the season started with a bad loss against the Ravens in which they they actually played pretty well but just kind of threw the game away with, with several bad plays in the third quarter, and then another you know, bad loss against the Bengals where they just didn't look competitive for a lot of the game and made these crushing mistakes. Uh for a team that had missed the playoffs in 11 straight years, I mean, it didn't feel like one and two. It felt like one and, and six. And for them to come off of that and win, you know, three straight games to get to where they are now, that's what feels kind of surprising about it. But but I agree with you completely. I mean, they are a much more talented team than they have been in the past in any of the, you know, the last five or six years. And, and the Giants are more of a surprise because when you look at that roster, it's still like, where where is the talent? How are they doing this? Well, they're getting uh, Saquon Barkley's having a strong year, uh, and the win- Daniel Jones is not winning games for him, but he's not losing games. He's not turning the ball over, and the same could be said for Zach Wilson. Jets have now won four games, matching the entire win total of last year. Giants have won five, won more than they won all of last year. So, But the last two weeks, the Jets have scored 40 and 27. If you look at last year, they only had three games all year. Well, they scored more than 27 points. I mean, the offense uh, deserves credit, but the defense has really what has stood out to me. Absolutely. If you look at especially what the defense did, did against the Packers, and you're going against Aaron Rodgers, holding him to 10 points, one touchdown, um, they just made life really hard on him with nine quarterback hits. Uh, that, that's a lot for, for any quarterback to take, especially – for Aaron Rodgers, and I think you could see a little bit of frustration setting in both in, on the field during the game and, and with some of the things that have been said in Green Bay since since they lost to the Jets. Um, and then just the way the Jets have played in the fourth quarter, especially 
these last two games, or or in the second half. I mean, the Jets basically they scored 24 points in the final, uh, I believe, 23 minutes of this game. Uh, for the year, I think they're up to something like a 68 to. Uh, it's a, it's like a 40 point differential in the fourth quarter. I can't remember the exact number off the top of my head right now, but they are absolutely destroying teams. Yes, yeah, like 68 to 20 in the fourth quarter. Uh, it's really impressive, and and you saw it in Green Bay the other day. The first play of the fourth quarter was that run by Brees Hall for 34 yards for a touchdown, and they outscored the Packers 10 nothing in the fourth quarter. They've become this team that believes in itself when games are close late. We saw it in Cleveland too. The Browns just gave them the tiniest window, and obviously there's some luck involved there when you become the first NFL team in 21 years to come back from 13 or more in the final two minutes. But give the Jets credit for kind of seizing it and believing in it and, and then making it happen. Uh, a lot of They had to do a lot of things right in those final two minutes to make that happen, and I think they've got this kind of weird belief that because of what Joe Douglas has done and he's turned over this roster – in such a major way in the, over the last couple of years that a lot of these guys don't have all the scar tissue from the last decade of ineptitude. And they believe in themselves and they believe that they are a strong team to finish games. And, and so far, it's it really looks like that, especially if you look at what they've done the last three weeks against Pittsburgh, Miami, and then Green Bay. He's Andy Vasquez with the Newark Star Ledger covering the Jets. You look at the list of guys that deserve credits. Let's start with the Williams brothers. Quincy had 14 tackles Sunday, and then uh, brother Quinnen had two sacks. I mean, he looked like he was in the backfield. I thought he was a starting running back for the Packers. <laughs> Quinnen, yeah, that was a pretty special performance. I, you know, covering the NFL for, uh, this is my seventh year doing it. I remember Miles Garrett had quite a performance against the Jets, I think, in 2019 when he had three sacks and a bunch of quarterback hits. That was just as good. Uh, but he's doing it from the inside, and, and, yeah, he was all over Aaron Rodgers. He also blocked a field goal um, and, and forced a fumble. So, uh, I mean, that's a quite a day. And, and for Quincy, uh, he was coming off an ankle injury that had kept him out the last two weeks. He, when he got hurt against the Bengals, it looked really serious. I mean, they, they brought the cart out there, put an air cast on his leg, and here we are three weeks later, and, and he has 14 tackles. So that was an extremely impressive performance. And you just look at the entire defensive line. I mean, this is what the Jets kind of envisioned uh, when they put this group together. They were basically rushing for the whole game. They're rotating. Carl Lawson did a good job as, as he continues to get better after the Achilles. John Franklin Myers had a big game. Uh, Sheldon Rankins, the other defensive tackle, had, had a big game and made some big plays. If they can get pressure on the quarterback with without blitzing, and then you look at, for the first time in a long time, the Jets have some solid corners. I mean, not just solid. Sauce Gardner, as a rookie, is playing at an extremely high level, six games in his career, which is incredible on its own. And then DJ Reed, who they signed from the Seahawks in free agency, has also been playing mm-hmm. at a Pro Bowl level. And and when you start to put that all together, this defense still has some question marks. Uh, they got gashed by Miami against the run pretty bad. But, I mean, it's been really solid the last few weeks, and, and that's why they're in this position. Uh, Andy, let's talk about, like you mentioned the block punt. Will Parks picked it up, went in for a touchdown. Uh, Brees Hall. Brees Hall is one of those that was drafted by Joe Douglas, had 116 yards rushing, 34 of those coming on the one run that uh, looked like a guy that had been around for a long time. I thought uh, that Michael Carter was going to be 
the workhorse and then Hall would fill in. It's gone the other way around. But you can't be a good team unless you have depth at key positions, and right now they do. You mentioned uh, uh, Sauce Gardner. I don't think he endeared himself to the Packer fans wearing the cheese head on the field. Do you? No, prob- probably not. But I-, I will say the Packers fans, like, I think they were kind of, like, as shocked as anybody else. And I talked to a bunch of Jets fans who were there, and they said the Packers fans were just, like, you know, enjoy it because they, they thought it was almost cool to see, you know, the Jets. It's been so long for the Jets that, that Packers fans could almost appreciate it. That's how kind of weird this all is. Um, and I think with Sauce, like, even Alan Lazard, who, you know, smacked the cheese head off of his, uh, his head because he was running into the wrong tunnel, uh, he said there wasn't anything, like, personal behind it. It's just, you know, he would have he expected Sauce to do the same thing. Uh it was just, you know, competitive spirit, and and that he he said Sauce had a good game, and he likes his nickname, and it's it's hard not to like the guy. So the Jets have this weird kind of, you know, underdog vibe where where people are rooting for them, which I haven't, you know, experienced. Most most of the time, people have been kind of laughing at them, and uh, things have definitely changed. And, and I think, you know, that's exciting as far as the running backs go. I would have agreed with you, Michael Carter. You would have thought he would have been the guy. But Brees Paul has been just too good to keep off the field. They, they split the reps the first couple of weeks, but the last four, Paul has gotten the majority of the carries. And it's been kind of the Jets' identity to hand him the ball and, and let him kind of do his thing and, and get him the ball in short passes in the pass game and then not ask Zach Wilson to do too much. And I think that gives Zach Wilson a better chance to kind of develop because there won't be as much pressure on him. And it also has been winning football games for them so i think you're going to see a lot more of that going forward and and one more thing as you said about the depth i think that's the biggest thing joe douglas has done if you look at where the jets are they have depth at all these positions they have depth enough depth on the offensive line and versatility where they've been able to endure not having their four best tackles out there at at one point uh and at wide receiver they have depth at running back they have depth all these key positions where they would have been in deep trouble a year ago or two years ago if they got an injury. They have depth now, and I think that's why their floor is so much higher than it would have been uh, a year or two ago. You mentioned the offensive line. If there's one Achilles heel, it is the offensive line. They've had some injuries to key positions. Uh, you, you, uh, you watch Zach Wilson run for his life more early in the game than later in the game. Uh, so that puts a lot of pressure on him. Zach Wilson's not putting up ridiculous numbers, but he doesn't have to at this point. But at some point, there's going to have to be a time where he's going to have to win a game with his arm. Yeah, I, and, and I totally agree with you, especially the last two weeks. They've asked him to do very little. Um, I think it's encouraging that in his first game we got back against the Steelers, they needed him to win the game in the fourth quarter, and he did it. He went 10 of 12 after starting the game, like I think it was 8 of 24. Um, so that was super impressive, but yeah, he hasn't been able to do that the last couple of games just because they were in control pretty early in the fourth quarter against Miami. And then same thing in this game, they, they kind of pulled away in the fourth quarter, but yeah, if they're going to be a team that really is a contender and surprises people, that's how it's going to have to be. Uh, he's going to have to step up and win games. I think that's going to be the difference between is this team like a nice story that's headed in the right direction or is this team a team that can make some noise later in the year? Because if Zach Wilson is playing at a high level, I think their ceiling goes up exponentially. And on the offensive line, uh, 
uh, I guess I would say thank God for Elijah Vera Tucker if you're right. a Jets fan because I mean I, he played he started you know right guard in week three left guard week four no left tackle week four sorry it's hard to keep straight and then right tackle weeks five and six so um, I mean and he started every position except for center in his first 21 games so uh, a lot of there was criticism from some of the analytic folks when the Jets traded up to get him in the, in the back of the first round last year and I understand you know in terms of you know valuing draft picks and all that I understand where the analytics people are coming from and, and same thing with Brees Hall this year in the top of the second round but sometimes you got to kind of break what the analytics say if it if it's the right move for your team and I think in both those cases we're seeing that Joe Douglas made the right decision this offseason and and the offseason before that couple of quick uh, uh, praising praises for defensive coordinator Jeff Ulbrich uh, his game plan was sensational, no question about it. And how about Braxton Berrios? When they, when they, the Jets decided to keep him and pay him as a free agent, I thought it was the right move because he's so versatile. That end around for twenty yards and a touchdown. Uh, I, I wanted the Jets became very predictable early in the game, running a lot of inside handoffs, and they showed very little imagination. But as the game wore on, they became more creative, and it paid dividends. I totally agree with you, and I'm, I'm starting to wonder if it's almost like part of what Mike LaFleur likes to do in the, and, and not showing everything early in the game and maybe like using that time early in the game to kind of lull the defense into thinking something. And that can be a dangerous game, obviously, because if you get too far behind, it, it can be a problem. But it, I think it worked to perfection the way they kind of expanded what they were doing as the game went on. You saw a team that up until that point in the third quarter when they scored on that Berrios uh, handoff that you were talking about, they didn't have a play from scrimmage longer than 11 yards. Hmm. And then it goes 11 yards to Corey Davis, 41 yards to Corey Davis, and then a 20-yard Braxton Berrios touchdown run, and boom, they've got the lead, and they wouldn't give it up. And, and I thought, you know, this, it's really interesting how some of the big plays came when they needed it most, and and... and I think that's kind of part of what they're doing is maybe lulling teams to sleep a little bit early, but they got to be a little bit more effective because you can't expect your defense to play the way it did the other day all the time. And, and yeah, that was a great game plan. I think it's a little bit counterintuitive against Aaron Rodgers to say, we're going to stop the run and, and make him beat us. But when you have two really good cornerbacks uh, and, and Aaron Rodgers is struggling to, to build chemistry with his receivers who aren't as talented as he's had in years past, it's a pretty good game plan, and it worked to perfection for the Jets. Well, they sacked him four times and hit him 19 other times, so he, he needed the cold water tub, no question, after the game. All right, they got Denver this week, in Denver. Uh, Denver last night, uh, I mean, Russell Wilson's having some problems. This is a short week for Denver, even though they're at home, uh, but it's a winnable game for the Jets. Uh, before the season, maybe you wouldn't have thought so. They've got that. They've got New England twice wrapped around a game against Buffalo. I mean, I'm not looking for pie in the sky, but at least there is sunshine inside the clouds. Yeah, you think if they can win, you know, two, at least one of these games and two of these games coming up, they're going to be in great shape. That would put them, you know, at 500 or above 500 right after the bye. Uh, in Denver, I mean, let's not, not forget, it's a tough place to play. The last two times the Jets have played there, they have not sure. scored a point. So any 
any progress, uh, any scoring will be progress over 2017 and, and what we saw last year when they were shut out again. Um, and, and yeah, the Patriots thing is, is really interesting because you start to look at this New England team and, and how they made Detroit look a couple weeks ago. Uh, and the Jets offense hasn't exactly been a consistent juggernaut here. Uh, I would be worried about that matchup next week. And, and, and given Bill Belichick's history against Zach Wilson, too, I mean, four interceptions in his first 10 throws against New England last year, uh, that, that's a, a game I think the Jets can win on paper, but I'm not 100% sure. At some point, they're going to beat the Patriots. They haven't done it since 2015. You would think would happen in one of the two games this year, but New England's looking really good. But, yeah, this is a really interesting stretch. If the Jets can somehow – you know, win two or three games out of this stretch, then anything becomes possible yep. going into the second half of the season where their schedule really uh, does get easier. No question. Appreciate your time, Andy. Thanks a million. You stay safe. We'll talk again. Thanks for having me. Same to you. Andy Vasquez, Newark Star Ledger, covering the New York Jets. It's uh, it's interesting to you know, to listen to that kind of conversation because the Jets are not a team that people are going, wow, look at the Jets. Well, now they are. Let's shift gears a little bit. Talk a little NBA basketball. With my man, Gerald Brown. Hopefully he's there. That's interesting. Gerald is always very reliable. We'll um, let's make sure he's all set. Because he's usually right on top of stuff. Hello. Here he is, Mr. Gerald Brown. How are you, sir? I'm doing fine. Yourself, Howard? You feel all right? I can't complain. Can't complain at all. NBA season begins tonight. You all excited? I am. You know, we got uh, a lot of things going on here. You know, especially the Northeast. You got the Yankees and playoff and uh, Jets and Giants are doing well. You know, you're kind of optimistic for the Knicks as well as the Brooklyn Nets. Seem like they have the gang all back together. So things are good. Well, the Nets won't have Joe Harris or Seth Curry tomorrow night. When they play New Orleans and Zion Williamson, who's back and healthy after missing most of last year. Um, but they still have Kevin Durant, and they still have Kyrie Irving. Um, and Ben Simmons, to me, is the curiosity factor here. I watched him in preseason. I thought he looked pretty well. I, th- I thought he was playing pretty well. I mean, you know, th- yeah, I think that the biggest thing is, look, the first hurdle, I think the biggest one is, is that he's, he's on the court. He's able to contribute in some capacity. Uh, so that's a start. But this the question will be and remain is will he make the adjustments necessary to try to get his confidence back? Because how we know that NBA teams are going to sort of, in a sense, play off of him. They're going to force him to do a lot of other things other than just pass. And, you know, when that adversity strikes, because we know they're going to hit a losing streak or whatever, you know, how he will handle that will be the biggest key. No question. I, I, I read with curiosity, and actually I smirked a little bit. Kyrie Irving said, we won't have any distractions this year. 
Yeah, well, hello, you're the guy that created the distractions. <laughs> I found that amusing. At least you go third person and stuff, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Look, when Kyrie is on, I mean, he's as good a player as there is in the NBA. He can play amongst the big boys. He, he can score with anybody. Uh, he's an outstanding player in every phase of the game. And with Kevin Durant, you have... No worse than one of the top three players in the league, right? Yeah, I mean, look, you got guys that obviously, you know, they can score when they're all on the same page. And I think the best thing about them is being able to be healthy. I mean, it's unfortunate, you know, already, you know, although, you know, they you have Kyrie and Kevin Durant out there, you don't have Joe Harris and Seth Curry. So Steve Nash won't have his whole complimentary of parts to sit back and see exactly how this team can look. And I think the biggest thing with them is, look, they got to get off to a good start because I think if they get off to a good start, you know, I think it'll alleviate a lot of the concern. And the better they do, it will kind of push to the side all the stuff that went on in the offseason, you know, the whole situation with KD and Kyrie. You know, if they can stay healthy, I think, and they get off to a great start, all will be forgotten. A couple of newcomers. Well, one that stands out to me is Royce O'Neal, who they got from Utah. You see him in the preseason? You know, I saw him. I thought he played well. You know, I think the biggest thing is that, you know, finding his role and then adjusting to that role and how well, you know, he'll add depth to that bench. You know, I think Morris also will add something in there. But I think O'Neal will fit in there well. And, uh, again, it's all really centered around KD and Kyrie because – if those guys are there and then they have the whole complementary of parts, now you will have guys be able to assume the roles that they're best suited for as opposed to trying to do things to sort of uh, compensate for not having Kyrie and KD out there on a consistent basis. Um, Claxton gets probably gets a start at center. Um, and then you've got um, O'Neal, who I mentioned. Uh, but they will be a little bit thin early on. The schedule is not overpowering early on, so that will be a help. Uh, as for the Knicks, um, they open up with the Memphis Grizzlies tomorrow night, and I don't know where you would put Jay Morant uh, in terms of the top players in the league, but I'm putting him no worse than top five or six. How about you? Yeah, I think that, you know, again, if he's, uh, you know, one thing about him, he showed this uh, preseason, is that, again, his explosiveness, everything. And I think that, you know, again, the biggest thing with them is John Moran is taking that next step in his game. So you're right. I put him, you know, maybe even in the top three, I mean, in terms of just, you know, what he's able to do and if those guys are able to be healthy. Hey, Gerald, look, the the Knicks, obviously, they've got a major new addition in Jalen Brunson. Um, And he's going to be, he's got the ball in his hands a lot. And the the obvious question is, you know, what does that do to Julius Randle, who likes to have the ball in his hands? I imagine they've, they've addressed that in preseason, right? Yeah, I, I think the biggest thing is, you know, I, I'm trying to figure out the direction of this team. Because how, if there was ever a time after seeing the young man, Victor Wembanyama, the high school uh, French player playing against uh, the G League team over the summer, I think this would be the time to tank, you know. But I think with the Knicks and the culture and their history and track record, even when they try to take, when they try not to take, they're going to end up tanking. I take it. I don't know how it's going to work out because, you know, with Brunson and Randall, 
you know, it, does it become a situation where the others are trying to learn how to play without the ball? And you know that Brunson is going to have the ball in his hands a lot of the times. So it just be a question of how much of an adjustment will it be for Julius Randle, who I imagine wants to show everybody that last year was a fluke. He's that player that was uh, two years ago, and, and he's out to, to improve himself uh, to everyone. So that will be a big dilemma, but I mean... Um, I think it's just, you know, it's, it's a team that's kind of, in a sense, what is the direction of their future? You know, you look at R.J. Barrett, okay, is he a piece? But you've got so many other pieces and stuff from Obi Toppin, you know, uh, what are they going to do with Cam Reddish? You know, is Evan Fournier going to be a guy that's going to provide some there? Because if not, this wouldn't be a bad year to try to, you know, losing wouldn't be bad, especially if you have an opportunity to get somewhere close to get, uh, possibly obtaining that young man from France. Well, you know, Nick fans, I mean, you know, right now they're projecting the Knicks to win the championship. <laughs> <laughs> but let, let's be realistic. Uh, you look, you've got Milwaukee, you got Boston, you got Philadelphia, you got Miami, you got Brooklyn, and now you got Cleveland with Donovan Mitchell. Now, all of a sudden you look at Cleveland, you better watch out for this crowd. They, they, they put together a beautiful roster. Yeah, I mean, look, that is kind of, in a sense, a team that kind of turned the corner fully and officially from the LeBron James era. You know, uh, aside from they had an unbelievable start to the season and then they hit their stride, uh, you know, going towards all-star break. And unfortunately, Jared Allen got hurt, was never the same. Evan Mobley uh, got hurt. And, And just from that point on, and even if you go back, you know, Ricky Rubio was the injury, but what they've been able to do, and I think Kobe Altman, their general manager, deserves a lot of credit because not only brought in Karis LeVert and keep him, they gave up pretty much essentially Laurie Market and some draft picks and still was able to hold on to their core. And oh, by the way, you throw in Donovan Mitchell. They are very, very scary. Uh, I think the biggest challenge will be to adapt and adjust to having Donovan Mitchell there and finding out who that, who's going to have the ball down the stretch of the game. And, um, you know, we also got to throw in Atlanta. I mean, Atlanta's mm-hmm. looking to have a bounce-back season as well. So the East from top to bottom, I think, in my humble opinion, is a lot stronger than the Western Conference, hands down. And that's something we haven't been able to say in quite some time. I uh, completely agree. So, I mean, if you're looking at the Nick, best possible scenario, they're competing for a play-in spot, right? I think so. I think that, you know, um, there's always going to be a team, that, you know, pretty much like Cleveland did last year, that's going to get off to a hot start. Remember, Washington got off to this amazing start. They were in the thick of things with Perzingas, uh, Montrez Hell playing well, as well as uh, the, the guys from Kentavious Caldwell Pope and Kyle Kuzma. But then they got hurt, and they wasn't able to, uh, you know, basically ride the tide until they got guys, those guys back and then Bradley Beal was lost for the season. So you got some teams that I think under the radar, I think Charlotte might be one of those teams that are going to be in a push for that play-in tournament space. But uh, right, right now, I think the Knicks at best, that's might what they might want to look at. And at that point, does James Dolan sort of give it a sense and, and, and tell Leon Rose, listen, let's, let's try to see if we can move, you know, for a great first half of the season. Do you move Julius Randle? Try to move Evan Fournier um, and, and look to try to build for the future. Because if it's going to be anything moving forward, it's obviously going to have to include Jalen Brunson. 
And obviously, it's going to be R.J. Barrett just based upon contracts. I look at Milwaukee. Chris Middleton's going to be out. I don't know for how long. Um, but uh, obviously, the reason why Milwaukee didn't go to the finals last year is because Chris Middleton was injured. But uh, you've got to look at them and say they're for real, no question about that. Tonight, Golden State plays the Lakers. And it's interesting because LeBron James begins his 20th year in the NBA. I I don't know of anybody who's more astounding than that, this side of Serena Williams. You tell me. Yeah. No, I mean, LeBron has been a, you know, a, a definite – uh, professional, I, I would hate to put him in that category of a of, of a Tom Brady, but I, I think at this stage, you know, it, it's more substance, it's more hype, and anything like that. Let's be honest, LeBron is great. He can give you those moments, but the biggest challenge will be who's going to pick up the slack because there's no way in the world you can assume and expect that LeBron to be able to carry the load that he has carried in, in recent years. Oh, no doubt. Uh, you know, and Anthony Davis, he's had his injury history that's been well documented. They won't have Dennis Schroeder for three to four weeks. Uh, Russell Westbrook, uh, I think he's going to go tonight. But uh, again, you, you, you look at the talent around the Lakers, there's not a whole hell of a lot. So, uh, I mean, LeBron James, whether you look at his age or not, he's not going to play 38, 40 minutes every night. You know that. Yeah, I mean, look, they are set up, and I don't think that, you know, again, there was so much optimism then going into the season and looking at them saying, hey, they could be healthy. And even if they were healthy, I just don't know if they have enough to offset what the other teams, those top-tier teams in the Western Conference was able to do. And honestly, I don't even think that they're the best team, clearly, they're the best team in, in, in L.A. No. at all. No. It's the Clippers, you know? Yep. So it'll, it'll be a challenge and stuff, but I think, it, look, it sells. It sells the optimism that sells to their fan base, LeBron, and you're going to start the season off. And I think, honestly, they're looking already at next season somewhere. You have to because this situation could go two ways. It could be a team that basically, you know, what challenges for maybe a 60 or they're a team that's not even in the playoffs at all. We'll wait. Philadelphia plays Boston tonight. Boston's got uh, a new guy on the sideline. Uh, I don't know what that's going to all do to, to the locker room, etc. But it'll be interesting to see. Philadelphia, look, Embiid is Embiid. Uh, he's a guy that's uh, virtually unstoppable. And James Harden, um, I, I don't see James Harden as his 25-point-a-game scorer anymore. Do you? No, I don't see him at all. And I think the biggest thing with them is if they're able to stay healthy. I mean, think about it. You know, Embiid was on his way pretty much two years in a row, if you will, you know, challenging for an MVP. And then, you know, obviously with Harden, you know, can he, you know, basically step up? But I think they added a lot of the pieces around them. And I think that, you know, bringing in a, uh, you know, um, P.J. Tucker and stuff like that to help them out on the defensive side will add some help to them. Yep. And then, you know, just being able – I like I like Philadelphia, but I don't know, how It just seems like something is missing with that team to be able to stay up there and stand toe-to-toe with, with Milwaukee, especially Brooklyn. But, um, it, you know, it'll be really interesting because I think also on the flip side of that, I think Boston's going to take a step back. Mm. You know, keep in mind, they don't have Robert Williams a third to start the season. The Al Horford's getting a lot older. And then how much of an issue the offseason that they have and having Joe Missoula sitting there 
uh, as the head coach, you know, it, it was a really challenging situation with Jalen Brown, who obviously felt like he didn't get the respect that he deserved. He was mentioned in a trade for Durant. How will that play out? And then Malcolm Brogdon, can he stay healthy? So they're already starting with their big man, Robert Williams, being out for some time. And you, you had Blake Griffin in there, but they're going to be thin at that center spot as well. So if they get off to a sluggish start, I wouldn't be surprised at all as well. Hey, Gerald, look, I, I think Doc Rivers is a terrific coach, but am I going too far to suggest he may be on the hot seat? You know, I think you you know I, I think that again I, honestly I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised if this team doesn't get somewhere near the Eastern Conference Finals you know I, I think you guard you could make a strong case that he would be and I think last year the only saving grace was look they got you know Embiid got hurt you had the whole Simmons situation hanging over their head and then you know, the trade of bringing in Harden didn't really produce everything that it was supposed to. So I think he kind of got, if you will, a reprieve and just saying, hey, listen, evaluate him with all the parts in place and basically understanding that, you know, again, what they added. And I think what they've done in terms of upgrading that roster and knowing now, you know, obviously Tyrese Maxey expected a lot more out of him. Yeah, it, it's, it's championship or bust, so you're right. I think he might be on that hot seat should this team flame out somewhere short of the Eastern Conference Finals. The way uh, we're talking with Gerald Brown of the Bottom Line Sports Show on Sirius XM NBA Radio, uh, Steve Kerr is not on the hot seat by any stretch of the imagination. But in watching him being interviewed after the Draymond Green punching out of pool, you got an eye. You got the feeling that Steve Kerr uh, is tired of explaining Draymond Green. Yeah, I think that honestly, look, it, it, I wouldn't be surprised, and I think that I've heard through some of my friends and sources through the NBA. There's no doubt that they are going to try to move Draymond Green as soon as possible, and I think that's what led to the fact it's not to suspend him. You know, they do have ring night tonight. You know, and hoping hoping that, hey, they get off to a great start, his trade value will go up. And I think they're really ready to move on from him. And that's mm. kind of the belief that, they, you know, Draymond has to have. Because, look, they gave contract extensions to Jordan Poole, which was a no-brainer. They uh, got a discount on, the, on that side from Andrew Wiggins. And you still have James, James Wiseman there. You still got Klay Thompson that's going to be looking for an extension in a couple years and then on top of that moody so i I wouldn't be surprised i i I definitely totally agree with you but i think the saving grace if you will for steve kerr is knowing that the replacements that are, are for clay steph and draymond they're actually on that roster so you can actually see somewhat of the present and a look into the future with guys like Wiggins, with Poole, with Moody, uh, with Kaminga, with Wiseman. So I think, if anything, you know, I wouldn't be surprised that Steve Kerr's tone will take a dramatic turn if they decide to move Draymond at the trade deadline. And now you can really start the process of letting those younger players take another step up. And honestly... I think the Golden State Warriors will be even better, you know, because, again, um, you have their replacements right on that team, and they have talented young players 
that are really getting that opportunity to learn from a playoff experience, championship caliber program, team, and place that when their time comes, you know, it, it, it's an understanding of what the expectations are in Golden State. Well, the challengers to Golden State in the West, you take Utah out of that mix because they cleaned house uh, right. with all the players they've moved. But, uh, but depending on the health of Kawhi uh, and, uh, and Paul George, I think the, the, uh, the Clippers are a viable team that can challenge in the West. Oh, yes, Howard. I totally, totally agree with you. You know, the area that they provide the biggest strength is that they're so deep at the wing spot. You know, they can throw so many different guys at, at you. And then you have Tyron Lue, who's kind of been able to just settle in. And I think that the, the dynamic of that organization changed. Once they were able to get to that sort of mythical Western Conference Finals, and that was the sort of uh, the, the sort of uh, the bar for them that I think now you're getting back a, a healthy Kawhi Leonard. Paul George is there. Reggie Jackson has been there. And like I said before, they got a decent big man in Zubak there, but they're loaded at a wing spot that I think, honestly, in the East or in the Western Conference, that's a huge advantage that you can throw at a lot of the teams where you can have guys on that wing that can not only create their shot, but very athletic and do a lot of damage. So they can throw out multiple guys at you and really, really force your hand. So I'm really expecting a monster year for the L.A. Clippers. And like I said earlier, I think that they're the better, they're the best team in Southern California. And you're right. I wouldn't be surprised if it's the Clippers challenging the Warriors for the uh, representative to go to the NBA Finals out of the West. Well, keep up the good work. I know you got to deal with that old fool Rick Mahorn, but <laughs> <laughs> I love Rick. He's 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 a piece of work. You know, I was around him for one year when I was doing the New Jersey Nets games. And he was there when Chuck Daly was the coach, and he brought Rick in. And being around that guy for a whole season, you feel like it's five seasons. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you know what? Hey, I, I concur. I mean, Rick, in all honesty, he's an amazing person, man, a lovable person. But you know what? Great to have some fun and stuff like that. And, again, he doesn't fall short of making sure that he gives you a good time and keeps you on your toes. So, uh Really love him to death, but uh, definitely a great, great person. I would, I would, uh, I, I've said this before. I'm really surprised that with his knowledge, he's not become a coach, a head coach in the NBA, because I think he's, I think he'd do a hell of a job. Well, you think about it, Howard. I mean, when you look at the landscape of the NBA, and it's been quite some time, the big man and, and on the court as well as off has been so obsolete that. I don't remember, I think, what can I say, Kevin McHale perhaps was the last big man head coach. And if you look around, a lot of the guys in the leagues are either, you know, Darvin Ham was a wing, but for the most part, it's guards, and it's really guard-centric. So, you know, mm. Steve Kerr, you had Mark Jackson, a lot of these guys that uh, played in the league, you really, really focus on, again, being able to understand those guys, they're able to control the tempo of the game, and, and all those things, but big men are obsolete. So, you know, it's really surprising. But at this day and age, you know, you only need a guy that's going to be a rim runner and protector. And, and, and uh, obviously, that's it. You know, dive down and, and basically dive to the basket. But other than that, you know, 
big men are obsolete. So it's not surprising. I saw the same thing when I thought at one point, you know, at some juncture when Patrick Ewan was an assistant coach in Orlando and in Charlotte and stuff, uh, that he would have been considered for perhaps a head coaching job. And mm-hmm. that didn't happen. I just said that, you know what, it's the, it's the changing of the guard in the NBA and becoming more guard-centric. I hadn't thought about that. That's interesting. Uh, you mentioned Mark Jackson. Um, I, I, I look some years ago. I thought that uh, he would get another head coaching job. Now I think there's too much time from when he was a head coach with Golden State uh, to the fact that he hasn't gone into coaching. He stays on television, uh, which, which he does a good job. But I, I think there's too much time now that's separated. I don't see Mark Jackson being a coach anymore. Yeah, it's unfortunate. I think that again. All hope, in my honest uh, opinion, was lost when I thought, you know, the Nick job was there for the taking. And, and, and when they decided to go the route of, I believe it was um, uh, the other coach that was with the Miami Heat, his name is escaping me right now, was in Memphis, and he got the job um, before Tibbs. I just knew that at the end of the day, look, if you couldn't get that head coaching job with the Knicks, your hometown team, a team you played for and had tons of success, uh, probably the handwriting was on the wall. But you know what? You just never know. All it takes is one team. And I think perhaps him coming in, especially with a young team, I wouldn't be surprised that he is given some consideration. And uh, I mean, look, you know, just depends on how things go. You know, if a team like Orlando. Sorry about that, but Orlando or some of these other young teams and stuff, maybe, you know, see how things progress with them, that they'll probably give them a shot. So who knows? No, I hear what you're saying. I think you're talking about Mike Miller, aren't you? Uh, no, uh, when the coach... Uh, oh, was, Fisdale. Uh, David Fisdale. David Fisdale, right, right, right. David okay. Fisdale. Okay. Uh, Gerald, always great talking to you, my man. Enjoy the start of the NBA season. We'll talk again. Likewise, Howard. Always a pleasure. I appreciate it. Thank you. He's Gerald Brown from the Bottom Line Sports Show on Sirius XM NBA Radio. A couple of uh, thoughts. We had uh, Andy Vasquez from the Newark Star-Ledger on a little while ago talking about the Jets. It's astounding what's going on with them. I'm not shocked. I'm really not. I said it before the season started. Look out. Joe Douglas did a phenomenal job of drafting talent at the skill position, that wide receiver room slash head uh, tight end room is much better than it's ever been. I mean, in quite a while. Uh, the Giants, hard to explain what's going on in the NFC East. Last year, they were the NFC least. Well, now, they're the best division in football. They got the best record of, uh, of all the rest of the combined. I mean, the Giants with five wins. The Eagles are unbeaten. Uh, I mean, it's it, it's astounding. And the Dallas Cowboys, they're going to get Prescott back this week. So that's going to be extremely interesting. Later today, the uh, Guardians and the Yankees go out at Yankee Stadium after the rain out last night. A couple of thoughts about the baseball season. We thought, and I'm right in that mix of we, it was going to be, in the National League, it was going to be the Dodgers playing the Braves or the Mets in the uh, National League Championship Series. That didn't happen. They're all gone. In the American League, thought it was going to be Houston and the Yankees, and that still may happen. Who knows? We're not really sure. I think Houston has got, has had, uh, they're, a little, they're in the head of the Yankees a little bit, even though the Yankees beat them last year. 
if the Yankees get into the ALCS lookout. Because, I mean, and by the way, to you Yankee fans, what the hell is wrong with you? How do you boo Aaron Judge? Because he won a couple of games without a home run? He carried the Yankees to where they are today. No debate. Aaron Judge is the MVP of the American League, hands down. You can give me Otani. Okay. Aaron Judge is the MVP of the American League. He put that team on his back and carried him when they had all those injuries to key guys. And they stand LeMayu still not 100% with that ailing toe. But they're getting production out of Rizzo. They're getting production out of a lot of guys. Uh, it's uh, very, I think the Yankees have a chance. Uh Today, certainly, but even if they get by Cleveland, and, and that series turned out to be tougher, I think, than the Yankees thought, but their bullpen's very good. No question about it, and they've got enough good bats. So, we'll see. I think the Yankees win today. They play the Astros in the ALCS. Anything can happen. In the NLCS, you got the Phillies playing San Diego. Who would have imagined that the Dodgers would lose to San Diego? I never thought that was possible. I thought the Dodgers were going to the World Series. I thought the Dodgers were going to win the World Series. Man, I was wrong. No question about it. Having said all that, that's the beautiful part about sports. The expected most often doesn't happen. Having said all of that, thanks for being a part of Howard David Live. And you stay safe.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.